0: Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition Diva Podcast. I'm Monica Reinagel, and in this show, I take a closer look at nutrition headlines, research, and trends to help you put that information into perspective and decide how or whether it may apply to you. And today, I want to address some headlines that I've seen over the past couple of weeks regarding Ozempic. This is the diabetes and now weight loss drug that's already been the subject of a lot of sensational coverage this year. For example, I've seen a lot of press over a recent study showing that people who lose weight on Ozempic lose a fair amount of muscle mass. And another article addressed the fact that people on Ozempic eventually stop losing weight and hit a plateau. Both of these news stories suggest some confusion, not just about how these drugs work, but about how weight loss in general works. Now, before I go any further, let me clarify that I am not making a case for or against these particular medications. My goal here is to add some missing perspective to some of the conversations that I'm hearing and reading about this. Ozempic and Wegovi are two brand names for the same drug, semaglutide, depending on whether it's being prescribed to treat diabetes or obesity. And these are the names that you've probably been hearing a lot about lately. But semaglutide belongs to a larger class of medications called GLP-1 agonists, and these are generally given by injection. These drugs were originally developed and approved to treat type 2 diabetes, and they are quite effective in improving blood sugar control but it turned out that they were also quite effective in promoting weight loss. People taking these drugs can experience weight loss similar to what we might see with bariatric surgery and well beyond what people who are suffering from overweight or obesity are typically able to achieve with lifestyle modification alone. This is not a medication that you take a month in order to drop a dress size for your class reunion or to hollow out your cheeks in preparation for your next movie role. This is not willpower in a pill. This is a serious medication that can be used to treat serious medical indications. And like any medication, it has risks and costs as well as benefits. Sometimes losing weight really is a matter of changing habits and learning to make better choices. And not just for a short time in order to lose weight, but on an ongoing basis in order to maintain a lower weight. And I personally have worked with hundreds of people who have achieved lasting weight loss through behavior modification alone. So I know this path is possible. However, some people. Appear to have a physiological dysregulation of their metabolism and their appetite signaling mechanisms. They may be constantly hungry, and cutting back on portion sizes in order to lose weight proves extremely difficult for them. Ironically, these folks are often exercising far more restraint and willpower than those around them who are not struggling with their weight. And I say ironically, because there is a very damaging and widespread and inaccurate belief that people who are overweight are that way because they're lazy or less disciplined or just unwilling to do what it takes. In any case, for people with dysregulated appetite or metabolisms, these drugs seem to level the playing field somewhat. People taking these medications often describe that it turns down the food noise in their head, reducing their appetite and reducing their desire for food. And that makes it possible for them to reduce their food intake enough to promote significant weight loss, which then leads to improvements in their health and their well-being. And some newer research shows that the potential benefits extend beyond weight loss and blood sugar control to include a significant reduction in cardiovascular risk as well. This class of medications really is a game changer in the treatment of conditions that affect the majority of our adult population. Quite frankly, if I were a bariatric surgeon, I think I might be looking around for a new specialty. It's hard to imagine why you would undergo highly invasive surgery with all of the side effects and the possible complications when you could achieve similar results and benefits with a are less invasive treatment. Now, that's not to say that these medications have no side effects or risks. They absolutely do. One of the ways that these drugs regulate appetite and promote weight loss is by slowing down the rate at which food moves through the digestive tract. For some people, this can cause nausea and even vomiting. Now, those side effects often abate with time, but many people find those side effects so troublesome that they choose not to continue taking this medication. And in a small number of cases, that slowing of digestive transit time can lead to more serious problems, such as intestinal blockages. You may have seen in the news just recently that this has now been added to the label as a possible complication. And this is why this drug, these drugs, are not and probably shouldn't ever be available over-the-counter, you need to be working with a physician who can assess whether these drugs are appropriate for your medical situation, whether the potential benefits outweigh any possible risks, and who can then monitor you and help you manage any side effects or complications that may occur. And this is really no different from other prescription medications, such as those used to treat high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or AFib, And this brings me to another common but misinformed critique of these drugs, which is that when you stop taking them, you are likely to regain the weight. These drugs are not like antibiotics that you only take until your infection is resolved. They're more like the medications used to treat chronic conditions like hypertension. So if your doctor puts you on blood pressure medication to treat hypertension, you are likely to achieve normal blood pressure. But if you were to then stop taking that medication, your blood pressure would likely go right back up again, and no one would be surprised. Well, it's the same thing with medications that treat the chronic disease of obesity. Weight loss happens because the underlying causes are being treated. And if we stop treating those underlying causes, that effect will likely be reversed. And this reflects a common misconception about weight loss in general, even when it doesn't involve medication. We go on diets or regimens in order to lose 10 or 15 pounds. And then having lost that weight, we resume our previously scheduled programming. We go back to the same habits that resulted in us weighing 10 or 15 pounds more. And guess what? We go back to that higher weight. So whether we're talking about lifestyle modification for modest weight loss or medications used to manage obesity, any lasting solution is going to require a long-term intervention. I also recently saw an article pointing out that people taking GLP-1 agonists don't continue to lose weight forever. Eventually, they stop losing weight and they reach a plateau. But I don't know why that surprises or confuses anyone. Weight loss happens because we've changed the balance of energy. If we consistently start taking in fewer calories than we're burning, we're going to lose weight because then we're expending more energy than we're taking in. As we lose weight, however, we expend less energy because smaller bodies require less energy to sustain. So eventually, we will reach the weight where the amount of energy our body expends matches the amount of energy we are now taking in. And at that point, we'll stop losing weight because we are in energy balance. Now, it doesn't matter whether the reduction in our energy or calorie intake is due to us making different food choices, such as cutting down on soda or snacks or desserts, or because we are observing a restricted eating window or doing some other form of intermittent fasting, or because we're taking a medication that helps us feel satisfied with smaller portions. In any of those cases, when our energy intake and our expenditure reach equilibrium, our body weight will remain stable. And if we want to lose more weight, we will then have to make additional adjustments in order to create an imbalance between our intake and our new lower rate of expenditure. And finally, I want to quickly address the recent study showing that GLP-1 agonists caused people to lose lean muscle tissue. Virtually anyone who loses a substantial amount of body weight is likely to lose a certain amount of lean muscle tissue. And this is definitely a concern. When we are losing excess body weight, we want to be losing body fat, not lean muscle tissue. And this is especially important for people over 50 because we are already fighting against age-related loss of muscle tissue. But the loss of muscle tissue in people taking GLP-1 medications is similar to the changes in body composition that we'd see in anyone losing a similar amount of weight in a similar time frame, by any means. So this is not an issue that's specific or unique to these medications. Now, in my own work coaching people on sustainable weight loss, I really focus on strategies that minimize muscle loss during weight loss. And part of that is calibrating the pace of weight loss to the pace at which we can actually lose body fat. Losing weight more slowly can preserve more muscle tissue. And there are other benefits as well. And another strategy for preventing muscle loss, whether it's due to aging or due to weight loss, is to optimize the muscle building effects of dietary protein. And you've heard me talk about this on many previous episodes. In some cases, it might mean increasing the amount of protein you're taking in, or it may involve increasing the quality of the protein in your diet Often though, it's a matter of redistributing your current protein intake more strategically. But it always also involves challenging your muscles with exercise and strength training because protein alone is not going to do it. And to learn more about how I help people with weight management, please visit wayless.life. I hope that this episode has given you a bit more context for everything that you've been hearing about these medications, both from promoters as well as from naysayers. Obesity is a complex disease process involving physiology, psychology, genetics, environment, culture, and behavior. And the GLP-1 agonist medications offer a potent new tool that addresses some but not all of those factors. And it's also a tool that has significant issues, not least among them a very high cost, inadequate supply chains, and spotty insurance coverage. Unfortunately, I can't fix any of those problems, although some of them will probably ease somewhat over time. But I hope that I've been able to add just a little bit more clarity around the media conversation. This is Monica Reinagle, and the Nutrition Diva is a quick and dirty tips podcast. Special thanks as well as a fond farewell to Adam Cecil, our departing director of podcasts. And thanks also to my audio engineer, Nathan David and Tomlin, who runs our marketing and publicity, Holly Hutchings, our digital operations specialist, and Morgan Christensen, our podcast operations and advertising specialist. And welcome back to our former intern and new team member, Cameron Lacey. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.